as a church, we're in the book of Acts. So our theme for the year is Acts in our time. Okay. And um, we're in chapter 6. And the title today is Problems in the Church. Should it be a stumbling block or a stepping stone? There will be problems in the church. Okay. Because guess what? If you haven't noticed, there's something we all have in common. It begins with S, it ends with N, and it has I in the middle. Okay. We all have that in common. So, as soon as you come into the church, somebody is going to offend you some, somewhat. But before we hit that, I just wanted to clear some confusion. And this confusion I created stemmed from evangelism. I was talking to somebody as I was reaching out to and he mentioned coronavirus, and I haven't thought about it. You know, when you become a Christian, sometimes your confidence is so much in Christ that whatever goes on around you really doesn't bother you. And it's a good place to be sometimes, that our security is in God. If the world ended right now, guess what? We're going home. We don't have to worry about that. But other people do worry about that. And also... Sometimes even Christians worry about that. So part of our growth is being secure in our faith. And sometimes people are not not so secure in their faith. So I was reaching out to this person, and he was telling me the world is coming to an end. And I thought, what do you mean by that? He said, oh, coronavirus. I said, how does that make the world come to an end? We said, oh, we started with Australia. The fire was burning. And then I realized where he was coming from. He's coming from Revelation. Okay, he's read Revelation and thinking the world is coming to an end because of all that. So I thought, let me just clear that five minutes and then we'll get into our sermon. Okay, so um, in Revelation 16, um, we want to deal with the false notions of end times, Armageddon and all that. He said, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The seven plagues, some people call it. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land. An ugly festering sword broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. This guy is telling me this is coronavirus. It's not. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it turned out into blood. Like that of a dead person and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water. And they became blood. He was saying the floods in England right now is about that. And I was listening to him thinking, where is he going with all this? The fourth engine poured out his bowl on his son. And the son was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by this intensity and, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. He said, this heat is in Australia. And uh, I was listening to this guy. And he went on and on. And it was all about the plagues, okay? And I'm not going to read through the whole, but it is easy for us to be sucked into this. Because the book of Revelation, though written, is written in the physical and the spiritual dimension. Sometimes it's dealing with real time, it's dealing with history, it's dealing with prophecy. There are so many things. The language itself is not a language you normally use. Apocalyptic language. People misread it in a lot of ways. So I just want you to be secure as Christians. If you've been hearing these messages going around, the world is not yet 
coming to an end. Why? Because Jesus said, nobody will know. If I Matthew, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. You hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Liu goes on to say, watch out the same that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I'm he. And the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdom. There will be a great earthquake, famines and pestilence. Which is what? Yeah, the outbreak. Pestilence in various places. And fearful events and great signs from heaven. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Amen. Amen. So we don't know the day and the time. But even if it were to happen, even if it were to happen, we should not be afraid because Jesus Christ will be the victor. It's like watching a film and knowing the end. We know the end. Christ won the battle. They are Magadan. He said, they march across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophets had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Thessalonians, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroyed by the splendor of his coming. Revelation 17. They will wage what well, they the kings and the beasts. They will wage war against the lamb. But the lamb will triumph. Amen. Jesus will win over them because he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And with him will be his who called who the chosen and faithful followers. Disciples should not be afraid of the end days. I just thought let me clear that confusion. Coronavirus may be going on. We should listen to the medics. Okay. Therefore, use the sheet you and throw it away. Wash your hands frequently. Soap and water. Corona or not, we should do this anyway, as um, Rory said. Check the website. If you have symptoms, call 111. And uh, we need to pray. That is what we need to do with coronavirus. We shouldn't live in fear. Amen. We shouldn't live in fear. As Christians, we should always be secure in the Lord. Ultimately. Ultimately. We should always be secure in the Lord. I'm afraid of flying. When I sit in the airplane, I say, God, if it, if it goes wrong, I'm with you. My security is there. It doesn't take away the fear. <laughs> but uh, my security is in the Lord. Okay, and we should be prepared for that. We joke about it, but believe me, anything can happen. Anything can happen. So, we should be, with a clear conscience, be prepared for these things. So, back to our sermon today. Problems in the church. Amen. And uh, there will be problems in the church. The church has been growing according to Book of Acts, as we're reading from chapter 1 to 5. And then in chapter 6, we read, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing... And you think, wow, the church is growing. 
The church is growing. The Hellenistic Jews, which is the Jews who had adopted the Greek language and culture, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It will not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to their faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freed men, as it was called. Jews of Cyrene and Alexander, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. Am I in the wrong place? Are we the right place? Okay. Verse 10. But they could not stand up against the wisdom, against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produce false witnesses who testify, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth would destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Amen. So this is what is going on in the book of Acts. Church is growing, disciples increasing, but there was an issue in the church. And the issue being that um, one group in the church felt overlooked. Now, you realize in this room we are all very different. Okay, we are all very different. I was filling a form recently. We are all very different, but we are unified in our diversity. And it began with the marital status. It was asked me if I'm single, married, in civil partnership or divorce, civil partnership dissolved. Are you a widow? Are you a widower? Are you a surviving civil partner? Are you separated? Wow. Okay. Then he went on to ask um, the ethnic background. Uh-oh. Are you white British? Are you white and black Caribbean? Are you Irish? Or are you white and black African? Are you a traveler of Irish heritage? Are you white and Asian? Are you Gypsy Roma? 
Any other mixed background? Any other white background? Black Caribbean? Indian? Black African? Pakistani? Any other black background? Bangladeshi? Any other Asian background? Chinese? Any other ethnic group? Prefer not to say it. Right? Yeah. So there's ethnic group called prefer not to say, I realize. Then he went to the religious um, faith, then he went to disability, then he went to, I have, we don't have room to talk about the gender. After a while, I thought it was male and female, well, it wasn't. Then there was sexual orientation, then qualifications and professions and political bent and intellectual. Uh, your IQ and emotional coach, and I'm thinking, the list went on and on and on. The point is trying to say, though, is we're all very unique and different, and people fit into all these things somehow. And the church welcomes everybody, amen? Amen. The church welcomes everybody. We are all different. Different accents. Mm -hmm. Two Ghanaians from the same village who have different accents. Mm -hmm. That's how we are. Okay. <laughs> Evelyn and I have different accents. She's a shanty, I'm equipping. Oh, she said, you see, she corrected me. I'm not a shanty. Don't tell me I'm a shanty. I'm cold. <laughs> exactly. There's division right there. There's division right there. But we're all very different. Okay, when we come into the body of Christ. And the scripture acknowledges that. In Romans 12, therefore, it said, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Isn't that amazing? We are different, but we form one body, and we belong to all the others. Corinthians 12 said the same thing. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all his parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by or with or in one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We are all given one spirit to drink. So even so, the body is not, even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. Now, if the food, she say, because I'm not hand, I do not belong to the body, it will not for that reason stop being part of the body. I couldn't say because I'm not a song leader, I do not belong to the body. Because I can't bake cakes, I do not belong to the body. We said we can't say that. Okay. And indeed, I can't bake cakes. That's why when I come, I go to that place. Um, but I still belong to the body. Okay, I still belong to the body. We are all very different. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I think that is one of the things that attracted me to this church as a student. When I came, I thought, wow, the whole nation, the whole world is here. The whole world is here. It's amazing. But in that situation, we are going to have conflicts. I remember being invited to a brother's flat. They were Nigerian brothers and they cooked this meal and I thought, man, am I going to eat this meal? No. 
I struggled. I didn't eat anything. They rebuked me. It was my first introduction to Nigerian meal. And I looked at it. I said, it doesn't look Ghanaian. <laughs> and I'm not going to eat it. Now, I love Nigerian food. <laughs> but at that point, okay, I was brought up in a home where you do not eat outside. And I remember coming to church and the brothers going out and buying fish and chips wrapped in paper. And I thought, newspaper, exactly, wrapped in newspaper. And I thought, what sort of upbringing did these people get? Who, who, who baptized them into Christ? They are buying food outside. On the road. And it's put in newspaper. And they want me to eat it with them. There's no way I'm going to do that. I ended up buying donut kebab, the best thing. <laughs> 3 a.m., you're on the night bus, you get out, and there's this techie shop, and you get your donut kebab, and you're walking to the brother's flat. The best life ever, you know? <laughs> but before I got there, yeah. I used to judge people who ate food outside. I thought, what's wrong with them? How could you eat outside of your home? Okay. I was so, I used to come to church as a student in three-piece suit at a time. <laughs> it has to be a blue shirt, it has to be a dark suit, and it has to be a blue tie, and uh, not needs to be wings or not. And I used to look at all these people thinking, didn't they go to school, did they not? Okay. We all judge each other differently, that's my point. That's right. And in a church like this, you know what? We are going to have issues. And it happened in the first century church. The Hellenistic Jews were being discriminated against by the Hebraic Jews. Because they were the majority. And there was a minority. And as he said, they have, Hellenistic Jews have adopted the Greek culture. And the Hebraic Jews think, what is wrong with you? You don't value the temple of God? You speak some language? You don't speak the Queen's English? You speak in it? In it? Oh, that's the first thing again when I first came to Britain. When I first came to Britain. My mom had some people doing some decoration in the house. And they were speaking. And honestly, I was convinced mm-hmm. I didn't know any English. I couldn't hear what they were saying. <laughs> they were talking to me in English, but I just couldn't hear a word. And I thought, man, I thought I was taught a bit of English in Ghana. I can't hear a word. Then I realized there's a difference between Scottish accent and Irish accent. And you understand? Yeah. And even that people say in it. And I'm thinking, what is in it? <laughs> I just couldn't understand all these things. But, um, yeah. So the Ghanaian education they gave us is just so strict. I knew all the counties of England before I came here. I knew the British constitution. I'm thinking, why was I taught that in Ghana? But it was the colonial days, and we had to learn the British system. So when I came here, I realized the British didn't know the British constitution. <laughs> I thought, 
really. You are British. You don't have British constitution. <laughs> Parliament is supreme. Have you? So it was just um. I learned a lot. I didn't know who Madame Tizos was. I was in my law lecture, the law of thought, defamation, and I put my hand out as the lecturer. Why is everybody seeing that woman? What did she do? Is she rich? It's a witch who mastered Madame Tizor. Because everybody was seeing Madame Tizor for defamation. So he bought me a ticket. And I went to Madame Tizor and Baker Street. How did he know Madame Tizor was a museum? I thought it was a living flesh human being. But my point is, he learned these things. So, how did the apostles even know there was a problem in the church? How did the complaint get to them? There is a mechanism, isn't it? And Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others so that every matter may be established by testimony of three. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. Jesus gave us incredible mechanism for the church to grow. Church, this scripture is what we use for church discipline, but actually it's where we resolve things. So if you see something in the church today, you don't go sulking, you don't go quiet, you go and talk to somebody about it. You go and talk to somebody. If they listen to you, you have won them over. You are going with the intention of winning them over. You don't go and point fingers. Bro, it was just said we should wash our hands. You just sneeze without a tissue. That does not help. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the mechanism is we we bring things up in in the spirit of Christ so that it may be resolved. It may be a teaching issue. It may be whatever the decor of this place. It may be the singing, whatever it is. You need to be able to bring things up. In fact, in marriage, it's the same thing. By the way, you go on date and you think this mad brother or sister is so wonderful. Then you get married and think, oh my goodness. We are different. (laughs) Okay, it happens in marriage. When I married Jackie, I realized we are very different. I spent my whole three weeks switching off the radio everywhere. And she spent her whole switching it on. We were in one bedroom flat at that point. Jack, we had, Jackie put a radio in the bedroom, in the kitchen, and in the bathroom. And when I get up, I want to tell peace. I mean, I don't want a sound. When Jackie gets up, she wants noise. And we think, we've been brought together. Okay. We've been brought together. So, the radio is on and I switch it off. And by the time I get to the next room, it's on and I switch it off. And I come back and it's on. And Jackie said, Roger, why do you keep switching the radio off? I said, why do you keep putting it on? Okay. We are different. 
So she sins against me. I sin against her. She switch the radio on. It's a sin against me. I switch it off. It's a sin against. Me. You understand what I'm saying? It's a battle right there. What does the Bible say? Talk to each other first. Yeah. <laughs> and of course we did. And we're not in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> and if they will not listen to you, take one or two others. So people came in who were wiser than us. And they thought, oh, bro, you're you a man and she's a woman and you're different. Oh, okay. <laughs> you need to accept your differences. Do you understand what I'm saying? People came and brought wisdom in the situation. And that's how we resolve things. In marriage, if it comes up, talk to each other first. Pray about it. If you are still not resolved, bring another couple in. And if you are still not repentant, it will come before the church. We don't do this enough. It should come before the church if married couple are not resolved. The church should know and pray for them. And therefore, if they will not listen even to the church, the Bible says they refuse to be part of the church. It's a choice they make. We are afraid to live by this. And things happen in the church that the church should have actually been told about. This is not gossip. This is biblical thing we bring before the church. And therefore, if people do repent, do not even respect the body of Christ, then there will be issue. Ephesians 4, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit with the bond of peace. We make every effort for unity. Amen. So we do not intend to tear. Actually, the effort we make is to bring what? Unity and peace. That is what we do. So there will be issues in the church. But we, first of all, we want to love, we want to be gentle, we want to be humble. In Every one of us ought to be humble as we deal with each other. Okay, be patient just as Christ has been patient with us all the time. We bear with one another in love. Amen. Amen. And we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And it happens in marriage and it happens between everybody in the church. We need to relate to each other in this way. So if you see something going on in the church, don't sit back and think, oh, it's not mine. It has nothing to do with, no, it has everything to do with you. You need to correct. In England, we are very, should we say, can be independent. In Africa, when I was growing up, the lashes I got was more outside of the church than outside of the, my home than my home. Yeah. <laughs> because at home I behave very obedient towards my grandmother. But when I go to the park to play, I'll kick somebody and somebody will walk up the park and give me three lashes and send me home and go home and tell my grandmother and my grandmother will give me more lashes. <laughs> no, I'm not saying we should do that with the children here. Please don't physically touch any child <laughs> to be against the law. Yeah. But you can have a word with them. You can say, stop running. You don't have to run. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. If a child kicks another child, you can say, can you apologize mm. to that child? 
we're a village where we raise the children together. We raise the children together. We love them, but we raise them together. Okay. And, um, and you learn your lessons. I bought a book for a teenager in the church that I thought will inspire him. <laughs> but I didn't consult the parents first. I had good intention. Okay. And the parents came to me. And uh, we had a good conversation. I apologize for giving the book to the teenager without the parents' consent. But I was quite surprised that the parents haven't even talked about those things in the book with the teenage boy. Okay. And um, But I apologize for me thinking about the boy thinking, oh, okay, he had this conversation with me. He's thinking about these things. Let me be proactive and get him a book. Something like Every young man's battle or something like that. But I didn't consult the parents. So we need to work together. Perhaps I should have given the book to the parent, in fact, which was what I did the next time. Another boy had conversation with me about the book, gave it to the parent. And I said, you really want to give this to your son? You understand what I'm saying? We learn from our mistakes. My intention was to build. But we are all responsible for each other. Amen. Amen. So he said, so the 12 gathered together and they chose. And we need to choose carefully. I keep saying, I want brothers, I want the young men to rise and lead. And it is still true. But he said, they should be known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Amen. Stephen was a man full of faith. Of the Holy Spirit. A man full of God's grace. There should be qualities amongst men and women to do anything. And it's not going to depend on our worldly achievements. Amen. Amen. It's going to be spiritual standards. Spiritual standards that will call, put men and women in roles of responsibility. Because we are dealing with people. It should be men who are known to pray. It should be men who are known to love God's word. Not their personal wisdom. Amen. We should choose very carefully. But that's what happens. So in the end, a potential destructive situation turns into a success. That situation could have split the church. Other situations crops up as we read the book of Acts. But I said this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose seven people and they prayed for them. Okay. And when we situations come up, goodness, within the chair, there will be people who will be able to fill the gap. We need to be spiritual. We need to appeal. Um, and we all have our gifts. We are all gifted in many ways and we are going to use our gift to serve. But we need to choose very carefully. We need to pray about it, which they did. They prayed for these people and they chose very carefully. Men of grace, men of wisdom, men of faith. That's what men and women of that caliber is for the word we need for the church. And therefore, I encourage everybody here. Let's be in God's word. Let's be men and women who pray. And I tell you, those two things are not easy. 
Just as you put on your coat, you're about to pray, and guess what? The hailstones begin. Satan says, stay home, come on. Just stay home. God understands. God is gracious. But when you go out praying, it's so rewarding, isn't it? We should not give up praying. But this is what we need. I pray for the entire membership at least once a month. I go through everybody. I pray for you. I pray for your children. And um, it could take a long time. But I tell you, it puts my brothers and sisters on my heart. And I know you also pray for me. I pray you do pray for me. (laughs) Because I'm in the front attack of Satan's attack. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I feel it. I thought, wow, this is demonic attacks. And I'll go and pray. So pray for us as we pray for you. Okay, the battle is on. And Satan is angry. And we need to pray for each other. And because they handled this way, the word of God spread. And the church grows. Do you realize, I'm thinking, why did Luke put... Stephen's story in the book of Acts 6. He was trying to say, yes, Stephen fed the widows, but he also preached the word. So sometimes we come to church and say, this is my responsibility. I'm responsible for singing, but not to preach the word. No. Everything you do, on top of that, will preach the word. Philip, Acts 8, go in. Philip's daughters even prophesied, amen. Stephen, of course, the first martyr. But this guy had responsibilities, specific responsibilities in the church. Some people say deacon rose. It doesn't say that in the Acts But they still preach the word. And I think our whole spirit will be, no, we don't sit down thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in his kingdom, therefore I do not spread the word. No, we do that as well. In fact, this is what gives us power, our engagement with the world, and indeed with Satan, builds us up. Okay, Satan is a worthy opponent. Okay, he wants to confuse us, but when we face him with a word, he cannot be that. I like the bit where it says, um, how did Jesus throw Satan away in Revelation? He said, sorry, Thessalonians, by the bread. Okay, and we think, Actually, the bread was the word. He devastated Satan with his word, the bread, the word of God. Okay. Wow. And we need to be like that. Unless the word is in us, Satan will devour us. And we need to be. So the word of God should spread. Not just to our side, but amongst us. Let's use the word of God as we engage with each other. Okay. And the church grows. Who makes the church grows? God. God makes the church grows. But we are responsible for the prayer and the ministry of the word. Okay. We should make those appointments and get time with people and open the word. There was a time in my life where if somebody is professional, my first appointment, well, let's have coffee. Let's talk about their professions and all that. I'm thinking it doesn't help. Faith comes from hearing the message. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we can go and play golf and football and tennis and go to the cinema. But it will not build your faith. 
We can be relatable in all ways of, but what will build people's faith is God's word. When we open it, it makes them think. That's how they come to God. We can be kind to people as we saw in uh, Acts chapter 3. Peter, he with the thing said, silver or gold I do not have. So we should care for the needy, but we should also preach the word. We should never neglect the ministry of the word. So in conclusion, problems in the church, should it be a stumbling block or a stepping stone? It should always be a stepping stone. Where actually we get to know each other better. Conflict is good, by the way. Again, that's something I learned when I got married. Okay. I thought conflict is the worst thing ever to happen in marriage. Actually, conflict is good. Provided you resolve it carefully. Conflict doesn't mean divorce. My first conflict with Jackie, I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to get divorced. I phoned her brother. I said, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Welcome to marriage. <laughs> conflict is good. So when we have church conflict, it shouldn't split us. We go to the word. We get to know each other. We go through and we become bonded. We become bonded. Amen. But we need to resolve according to Matthew 18. We don't go gossiping. We don't go attacking each other. We want to win each other over. Mm-hmm. Conflict is good. The church grows. That conflict, immediately they have seven leaders. Mm-hmm. Until then, the apostles have been doing everything. Mm-hmm. They said, no, 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 we can't do that. Mm-hmm. But actually, equally here, guys, mm-hmm. we need everybody. We need full employment in this church. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are all fully engaged in the ministry. It doesn't fall on anybody, but all of us are engaged in the ministry. That's how God works. That's how God works. I've shared my testimony as a young disciple. I got baptized. I was the most timid person you ever meet. I come to church, I won't even sing. Number one, I thought people are singing Discord anyway. I thought if you are singing, you should sing four parts, mm-hmm. which means the church was good at. Mm-hmm. But I'll come to church very quietly, and people will challenge me, bro, you need to be out of yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was a very timid person. And I went out and met a guy. I thought he was about to mug me. Mm-hmm. He was a big fella. You know, in defense, I said, would you want to study the Bible? He said, yes. Mm-hmm. I thought, really? Mm-hmm. So I met this guy. And when I was being studied the Bible, people would write notes and give it to me. So the notes I took, I sat with this guy and studied all the way through. The same thing I've studied with. And he said, so when do I get baptized? And I thought, whoa, you need to start coming to church then. <laughs> he came to church and got baptized. My point being that you think, oh, I'm a young Christian. No, 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 no. God will use you. You have the word. And if you're an old Christian and you think you know everything... I can assure you, you don't know much. (laughs) Go back into the word. Every day, look at the word. You'll be convicted. When I had that conversation with that man about revelation, 
I went and started reading. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I used to study this book. I need to go back. Mm-hmm. I have forgotten so much in there. Mm-hmm. I need to go back and read Revelation and actually teach the church the book of Revelation. Because it's beautiful. Yeah. It's powerful. Wow. Victory is already assured. What a message. In the face of persecution, intensely, they were assured of that message. So every one of us, problem shouldn't be a stumbling block. Actually, it should be the stepping stone. So I look forward to receiving the problems. Don't hide them if there is any. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with the issues, okay? If there is sin, believe me, let's deal with it. Because we cannot allow Satan to infiltrate us, as he was trying to do. This division was Satan trying to divide the church. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira was Satan trying to bring corruption into the church. We need to deal with it, but we deal with it maturely. So brothers and sisters, don't worry about coronavirus. Be sensible, wash your hands. Use the right thing. But the end is not yet. And even if it was, guess what? You're in a good place. But in terms of the book of Acts we are today, problems is never a stumbling block to the church. In fact, it makes us flourish if we deal with it correctly. Thank you very much for your time.